Okay, before we get started on the final drive, a big thank you to our sponsor, Microsoft Surface. Microsoft Surface, a huge part of game day and preparation for the LA Chargers as the official laptop and sideline technology provider for your Los Angeles Chargers. Microsoft Surface provides players and coaches with the tools to succeed both on and off the field. Microsoft's Surface Pro 7 is your endlessly adaptable partner now with faster processing and more connections, plus all-day battery life. The 12.3-inch touchscreen 2-in-1 laptop is ultra-light and versatile. Check it out on their site, surface.com. Well, the Chargers are 1-0, 16-13. They beat the Bengals in Cincinnati with Haley Elwood on the final drive presented by Microsoft Surface. And Haley, listen, it was not pretty, but a win is a win is a win. <laughs> that is basically how you would put it. Look, no preseason. I think everyone was kind of interested to see how teams were going to come out, start the games. It looked like it took a little time for kind of the Bolts offense to get going. But I will say, a win is a win. When you're on the other side of it, of a one-score win, it feels really good. and feels really good when you start out the season 1-0 for sure. Yeah, the Chargers were on the wrong side of those one-score games last year. They find a way to get it done. Uh, I thought the defense was just fantastic, especially in the first half, getting after Joe Burrow. One of the things we talked about was, was make Joe Burrow uncomfortable. Three sacks, six quarterback hits. It was good to see Jerry Tillery get in the mix with his yeah. first sack of the game, really set it off for the Chargers. Uh, Joey was Joey in the, the turnover battle. Uh, Haley, we, we talked about that all offseason. This was a key for us going into this game was uh, get a couple of turnovers for your offense. The Chargers did that, and, and Tyrod didn't turn the football over. Yeah, win the turnover battle, that was huge. And like you said, the defensive pressure. I loved Melvin Ingram after the game, said he felt like he saw Jerry Tillery grow up. And I think cool. he was a guy, he's so cool. Throughout camp, you heard Coach Lynn talk about him. You heard Gus Bradley talk about him. That he really had seemed to make that jump, at least in the off-season program, from year one to year two. And the way he started and came out right out of the gate was huge. And it absolutely set the tone. Other sacks, Chenna, Joey, like you said, Joey being Joey against his former teammate there with Joe Burrow. But the defensive pressure was huge. You felt kind of like the, the Bengals got into a rhythm very, very close to the end of the game when they were putting that one-minute drive, I guess you could say, together. But defense held their own, and winning the turnover battle was huge again, just given the fact that before Melvin Ingram had that, that pick, they were driving too. And prior to that, when Denzel Perryman punched the ball and, and then – Nick Vigil, Vigil ultimately pounced on it. It reminded me in camp of when Coach Lynn was talking about Denzel and said, when he's well, he's hell. And that was yes. definitely on display today, especially with that with that turnover. Denzel, if he gets a hold of you, he is a punishing, yeah. punishing hitter. And the run game for the Bengals, we talked about Joe Mixon being a focal point. If you take away the 23-yard touchdown, Haley, from Joe Burrow, the Chargers held the Bengals to 99 yards rushing. Mixon, 19 mm -hmm. for 69, just 3.6 yards of carry. Going into the game, 593 touches the last two years for Mixon without a fumble. You mentioned, you alluded to that fumble um, that Denzel Perryman forced and, and ex-Bengal Nick Vigil picked up. Yeah. So I think we saw a lot of things defensively and, and just the emergence and the arrival of Linval Joseph on, on that defensive line. I just think it's going to be – so much fun for Bosa and Ingram to play alongside this guy. He, he takes up so much space. Uh, he's a run stuffer. He, he can also get after the quarterback. Well, not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but obviously they, pay, they play the Kansas City Chiefs next week. 
their rookie running back, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, had 138 yards, I believe, versus the Houston Texans. So to get that start, being able to relatively do a good job containing a run game is paramount and huge when you know what you're up against next week as well. Yeah, no question. In the Chargers running game, uh, we saw Joshua Kelly get some work yeah. in that second half. 12 carries, 60 yards, uh, a big touchdown. The Chargers' only touchdown of the game. Uh, unfortunately, Justin Jackson gets hurt with a quad injury. Um, the running game was a little slow at first, but you look at these numbers, 19 for 84 for Austin. That's 4.4 yards a pop. Kelly, five yards a pop and a touchdown, 155 yards on the ground. And that's without Tyrod Taylor really doing anything. He had six carries for seven yards. Uh, so just you take Tyrod out of the equation. Eckler was getting rolling. And by the way, no Mike Pouncey, no Trey Turner. Yep. Certainly helps when you can run the football too, even with sort of not, I don't want to call it a makeshift offensive line, but they had injuries and they had guys step up in, in certain places. I think one of the funny things too, after the game, Hunter Henry said about Joshua Kelly, look, you saw him get going and you saw it in camp, but to see it live in a game was a totally different thing. And it definitely proved why this team drafted him when and where they did in this year's draft. And he was a force out there. I mean, he was ready to go and he looked so comfortable. I think one of the things too, with no preseason that we'd hear her people talk about is the comfort level, especially of a rookie. You know, this is his literal first pro game action yeah. but to do what he did to get the touchdown to put the team on top, huge, absolutely huge. Another rookie, too, Joe Reed getting in the mix with yeah. a 46-yard kick return. These are the little things that add up throughout the course of a 16-game season, Haley. We may not be talking about it a lot, maybe this week, and uh, you talk about Melvin Ingram's interception, Josh mm -hmm. Kelly's touchdown, some of the flashy things, but that 46-yard kick return, those are the things that Joe Reed can provide to this special teams unit. Yeah, and those are the things that you, when you take a look at this Chargers draft class and who they drafted and when they drafted them. I mean, you saw what Joe Reed did at UVA, especially in the return game. He was huge. And that played a huge factor for this team. I mean, I was so excited to see him just run, you know, and, yeah. and get as big of a return as he did. And so I think ultimately when you look at a draft, you look at, you know, kind of helping and supplementing pieces to what you already have. And two of those guys made very big contributions today. One of the things that was just gutting at the beginning of the game was that yeah. injury to, to Drew Tranquil. It looked like it was his left ankle. Uh, he was carted off the field. Uh, you and I, I remember a specific uh, weekend practice where Tranquil was just all over the field making tackles. We were so excited to see him and his emergence in year two. Um, it, you know, obviously, we don't know the, the full extent yet, mm -hmm. but um, it was just really tough to see. It's so heartbreaking. And when it happened so early in the game too, and after the camp that he had, I mean, I think it was you who tweeted after that training camp practice. I expect to hear, you know, with the tackle, Drew Tranquil's name yes. called a lot this season. And it's just so devastating when stuff like that happens. And also, you know, the impact that he has on special teams too is huge. But then the flip side though, when you look at Nick Vigil stepping in for him and making the play that he did later on in the game, that was good, you know, and, and that was huge to have a guy who this team signed in free agency who did great things for the Bengals over the last few years. But to come in and sort of supplement that, that was big. But but prayers up to Drew. I mean, he's just as, as good of a player as he is. He's a great person. Yeah. And we wish him all the best in, in the recovery, whatever is ahead of him. 
No question. And, you know, we talked about all these positive things. Listen, it wasn't all pretty, you know, 16, no. <laughs> 13. There's a lot to work on. Coach Lynn acknowledged that. Tyrod acknowledged that. Uh, six for 16 on third down. That mm -hmm. needs to be better. Um, and they, they got to sustain drives. They got to punch it in. You can't rely on Michael Badgley field goals all the time. Um, field goals are not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Field goals are, are not going to win games in the AFC West when you talk about the firepower that Las Vegas and Denver has. So yep. um, this is week one, and you will take a win in the National Football League any day of the week. It doesn't matter what it looks like. But that being said, Kansas City's coming to town. They're the Super Bowl champs. Uh, they're going to have to score some points on Sunday. Yeah, like you said, two goal to go excuse me, two goal-to-go situations. So it's week one for everyone here to come, up, <laughs> to come up with those just with field goals, though. You're right. It's not going to cut it all the time. And you eked out a win today in Cincinnati, but we know what the Kansas City Chiefs are capable of. They kind of got off to, you know, they got rolling. We'll say that. They definitely got rolling in last Thursday's game against the, the Houston Texans. And we know what they do, these teams. They know each other very, very well, but you do have to improve. But I think, you know, that's something that'll happen with just more games and more comfortability too. I mean, don't forget, this is still essentially a new offense with Tyrod Taylor at the helm. They haven't really played a full game, you know, games yet, given the fact, again, no preseason. So the working camp, they're building on it. They're working on it, but you are right. Three is not going to cut it against a team like KC. You need double that. You know what surprised me a little bit? Austin Eckler had 19 carries, 84 yards. He was targeted just one time in the passing game. I expect that to probably change as the season progresses, but it just struck me as, as a little funny because Austin's so good in the passing game. He caught 92 balls last year. Uh, just to have one target in week one, I thought was a little curious. Yeah, and, and who knows kind of what that attributes to. I mean – I think obviously there was a comfort level with Philip Rivers being able to sort of dump it off to him over the last, you know, especially last year significantly. But, you know, again, I think we're going to learn a lot more about this offense as the games go on, as they continue to get more comfortable. I will say that was definitely surprising too. I think if you had Austin on your fantasy team, you were probably a little surprised <laughs> as well with that. The, the PPR, you're like, hold on, yeah. one? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You're like, wait a second. This this doesn't feel quite right after the year he had in 2019. But again, you know, I think we'll we'll just kind of learn and see. I mean, to flip it, you look at a guy like Mike Williams, who was that trusty third down receiver, like we know him to be. Hunter Henry had some great gains too. So, I mean, we'll feel it out. But I, I do agree with you. It was a little surprising to see that. But you know, again, this offense is pretty young. We're so young in the season, and we'll see what happens in week two and beyond. A couple quick things for me before I turn it to you for your kind of final takeaways before we get to Daniel Popper of The Athletic, who's going to join us in a second. Uh, you mentioned Mike Williams. Going into this game, we didn't know if he was going to play. Yeah. We didn't know if he was just going to have a few plays. He was targeted more than any wide receiver on the team, any receiver period on the team. Nine targets, four catches, 69 yards, and he does what Mike Williams does. He catches a, mm -hmm. a, a big gain, a 37-yarder. Um, and Hunter Henry, when Hunter Henry is 100%, he's one of the top five tight ends in the National Football League. Five catches, 73 yards, and a long of 33. So uh, I think just being able to spread the ball around to those three primary guys, when you talk about Keenan, Mike, and Hunter, and then getting these running backs involved eventually in the passing game, uh, Chargers should be in good shape in that department. 
Absolutely. And I think just to kind of tack off of Hunter for a second, I remember when they drafted him back in 2016, you felt like, oh, this is the heir apparent to Antonio Gates. This is the kid that's going to come in and eventually when Gatesy retires, step up into that role. Unfortunately, he's battled injuries over these last couple of years, but you nailed it. When he's on, he is on. And he was on today for sure. And there's this this physical grit to him too, that that when he gets going, He's in there. He's making tough catches. But it was really, really great to see him contribute today, to see him fully healthy as well, even though, you know, again, he was healthy at the end of last year but battled some stuff early on. But but it just felt good to see him really become a huge part of this offense as well. All right, before we get to Daniel Popper, here's our week one play of the game. Kevin Harlan, CBS Sports, on the call. No timeouts from the 23. He's being chased. He flips it off. It's intercepted. It's picked off on the play by Melvin Ingram. Flag was thrown late. The pickoff at the 24. He tried to just shove it in front. And Ingram comes up with the pick. That was Melvin Ingram with the interception on Joe Burrow. Bolts with two turnovers, forcing two turnovers against the Bengals. Here with Daniel Popper of The Athletic. And Daniel, we talked about turnovers all offseason, how this team needed to generate them and not give them away, and they certainly did that today. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the biggest takeaway from today, right? I mean, how many conversations do we have this offseason about, okay, what, what is the pillar of Anthony Lynn's coaching philosophy? It's protecting the football on offense and then forcing turnovers on defense. And he truly believed with the defense that they had that they would get a turnaround. They would get – you know, they'd head back to the mean in terms of forcing turnovers because a lot of that, especially the fumbles, is luck. But the one thing he could control – is building an offense that was going to protect the football. And that's why they ultimately handed the reins over to Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod Taylor, as we've talked about ad nauseum, is one of the best at not throwing interceptions in the history of football. Quarterbacks with a 1,000 or more passing attempts in their career, he's second to only Aaron Rodgers. This is a guy who just doesn't turn the ball over. Now, that's going to produce a lot of games like we saw today. There's going to be ugly games where this team is not moving the ball. They're not converting on third downs. It's a defensive slugfest. But they're going to win some of these games because they're winning the turnover battle. And that is the, that was the priority for Anthony Lynn. And that's why you saw a guy in his press conference after the game that was pretty excited. Even though a lot of us were like, wow, this is, this was a slog of a game. This was very difficult to watch. Anthony Lynn's like, we won the turnover battle. And like, that's literally what I've been saying for months and months and months. And it worked. So along with that, Daniel, to me, Jerry Tillery set the tone for this defense right out of the gate. He was a guy, Chris and I had talked earlier about, discussions on him throughout camp that he really seemed to take that jump from year one to year two, at least in the off season. But what did you see out of him today? Yeah, you guys are hitting all my observations. I have all my observations. <laughs> now. Read your mind. Yeah, I'm getting ready to, to write all the details on him, but I have all my sections written out already. You're hitting all of them. Um, I mean, and I asked Melvin Ingram about Jerry after the game and, and then Melvin said, you know, I saw him grow right before my eyes in this game. I mean, he was, it was consistent pressure and, and he had that sack early in, in the first half when the Chargers were producing more of that pass rush or more of that pressure on the quarterback. But I've t- I talked to Jerry during training camp, and he made it a priority to get stronger this offseason and to really work on his body and to get himself into legitimate NFL shape. And he wasn't there last season, and I think he would be the first one to admit it. You know, he had the, he was coming off the shoulder surgery during the, the, in March during the, the pre-draft process. That ultimately forced him to miss a week of training camp, all of OTAs and minicamp. And he just was playing catch up the whole year. And he wasn't able to take on those double teams. And he wasn't playing with the kind of energy and strength and physicality that you need to play with in the interior of the defensive line in the NFL. And I think you saw a guy today who is just physically in much better shape 
And that has led to a guy who is, who is mentally tougher, who is more ready to take on the, the challenges of playing an interior defensive line. I thought he had an outstanding game, and he's absolutely going to be a major, major factor for this defense this season. And the one thing that was very encouraging is it wasn't just third downs. I think last year it was pretty much Jerry would come in and only pass rushing situations. Today, towards because he was playing well, towards that second half, he was getting in on first and second downs, really rotating with Justin Jones. And, and if he can be that guy for this defense, um, there's no telling how great that, that front can be. He had that sack, but that hit on Burrow, I think it was like a read option where he, he gave it up to Mixon. Kaiser hit Mixon, but Tillery hit Burrow. I, I thought Burrow actually had the football at, at that point, but I thought it was the yeah. second sack of the game. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, you know, that's what that's why – People were excited about Jerry Tillery. Just he has all the tools physically. He's six six. He's got the speed to beat guys in, on the interior. And now you're sort of seeing that he also has that strength, and he's starting to put it together mentally, where he's reading things pre-snap. And you're just seeing a better player in every single facet. Um, that was a perfect example. I mean, he shot that gap, had that play diagnosed down to a T, and and almost you know had got a sack on the quarterback on a design run play, which is you know that's that's why Melvin Ingram is saying the things he's saying about Jerry Tillery after the game because those plays are impressive, and that's sort of what the Chargers were expecting out of this guy when they drafted him in the first round last year. Daniel, it wasn't pretty offensively. I mean, the running game got going towards the end, and we saw some sparks from Joshua Kelly, which was really good to see. And, and Eckler had uh, 19 carries, 84 yards. Uh, but there's a ways to go on that side of the ball. But I think you hit it at the top. Uh, coach doesn't want turnovers, and they accomplished that today. But that said, new offense, still a lot to go. Yeah, exactly. Like The way I looked at it, and, I, and this is the question I asked Ty right after the game, you know, like you're, you're overhauling your offense ultimately. That's what they did. You're adding – a lot more bootlegs, the, the play action, the not, they used to be among the lowest in the league in play action because Philip Rivers didn't really love to do that. But they now it was play action pretty much every passing play. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you design quarterback runs. There's a, a, a more zone blocking uh, than, there, than there have been in previous seasons. So you're having all these changes to the offense. And you had zero live reps all throughout camp. You didn't have any preseason games, obviously. But just as importantly, you didn't have any of those joint practices that a lot of these guys say can be as valuable or maybe even more valuable than preseason games you're you're getting out you're getting your first live reps uh in a real game with this new offense and obviously it's going to take some time for everyone to gel and for everyone to grasp what they're trying to do and and for everybody to see you know find their roles and find their footing in this and in, in what is really a, a new scheme um and i think you saw that early on in the game it was you know it looked a little bit discombobulated a little out of sync these guys are, would admit that you know um, but like you like you touched on, Chris, it got better. They they sort of you know committed to the run early in the second half. Anthony Lynn said that's something they really wanted to do. Was like we wanted to pound the rock, and he sort of saw that everyone get a little more comfortable once they broke off a few runs and started seeing that they could move some people around and get some get some productivity in the running game. That opened things up a little bit. But in my mind, it's it's something that's they're going to get more comfortable with these changes as they get more live reps and, you know, in the normal off season, they might've been able to get all this rust off during a preseason game or, you know, during those joint training camp practices. Now you're going to see them, you know, shaking that rust off and trying to find that comfortability sort of as the season goes on. I think you saw it get better as the game went on today. And I think you're going to see it get better and see these guys be more comfortable as the games go on. Third down efficiency, not great today, but to your point, this is still, you know, essentially, like you said, a new offense. Is that something that you see also improving as these weeks go on, as these games go on? How do you think maybe they shore that up a little bit here? 
See, that's the tough thing. And it was really both sides of the ball. Because last year, third down defense was a real issue. And that was a priority. That's why they went and got Chris Harris, because they felt like we need to be better on third downs. Now, they're expecting Derwin James to be back and to improve in that area. He's not there. And it was an issue again today. You know, they almost slotted 50% of their third down conversions on defense. But in terms of offense, it's going to take some time. You know, because in years past, third down was, all right, put Keenan in the slot, let him win one-on-one against a slot quarter and throw it to him. You know, Tyra Taylor isn't as comfortable putting the ball into tight windows as Philip Rivers. He's not as comfortable throwing the ball over the middle of the field. So these receivers are kind of going to have to adjust to a sort of a different style of play. Now, what you get out of it is no, no interceptions and no turnovers. But what you don't get is, you know, a guy who's going to force the ball in the middle of the field and try to make plays on third downs. Now, with that being said, there were a couple instances this game where Taylor was able to scramble, get outside of the pocket, and either run for a first down or throw for a first down. Now, those are very valuable plays that I think will probably allow them to be a better third down offense moving forward. And I wouldn't expect them to be in the 30 percentages in that range uh, for the rest of the season. But it's uh, it's like like it's just going to take time for all this to come together, especially with all the time missed this offseason. Hey, the, the running backs, we were just talking about Austin Eckler, only one target today. I thought that was uh, a little different because he caught 92 balls last year. Do you think this is just, hey, we're just ramping up in, in terms of the playbook and in, in, in what we have offensively, trying to maybe figure some things out? Because um, I, I do think that Austin, I mean, he, we know how valuable he is in the passing game. Maybe it's just a matter of time before they get him involved. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And I'm going to have to go back and rewatch the game and figure out sort of exactly what happened with that. I did notice a couple times Taylor was sort of rolling out and he had Eckler there. And maybe if like if, if Philip Rivers was in that same situation, he's going to dump it to Eckler because he knows Austin can run much faster than he can. And he's going to be able to make <laughs> some guys miss. You know, Tyra Taylor is a guy who can make people miss and he's got speed. And so in that situation, he's not always going to dump it to Austin. He might say, OK, well, I can extend this a little bit further and maybe find a guy 20 yards downfield, which he did once. Um it's going to be interesting to see because, I, you know, heading into the season, I didn't really expect Austin's uh, role to change too much because Tyra Taylor has never been afraid to dump the ball off to running backs. That's been something he's done throughout his career when he's been a starter. Um, so I wouldn't expect him to have, you know, one target or however many targets he had, they, those kind of limited targets the rest of the season. I would expect him to be a big part of the passing game. But like, like I've been saying, you know, it's going to take these guys time to mesh. That's something that we're going to be watching over the first probably half of the season. And you're probably not going to see this offense clicking at, at its full potential, you know, until they get some of these offensive linemen back. And then until they actually get a lot of time to play in this new system and sort of everyone can figure out their roles. Um, but, you know, Austin Eckler is a fantastic receiving back and he needs to catch the ball a lot in order for this offense to be productive enough to win games. So that's something that, that this coaching staff I'm sure will probably focus on uh, this week and in the coming weeks. Well, I think to that point, there's definitely an element of building trust that happens now that you have this quarterback who is really hasn't had a whole lot of time to work with these guys, like you said earlier. And I remember at one point this offseason, I forget, it might have been Keenan was talking about, or maybe it was Hunter, you know, the receivers themselves in Austin, you can throw them into this equation as a receiver, they have to get used to how a guy like Tyrod Taylor throws the ball, the touch that he has, it's different. And so I think there's probably an element of building trust that will, like you said, go on and get more comfortable as these weeks go on as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can go down the list. You, you know, the arm angles are different, obviously, mm-hmm. between him and Philip Rivers. The speed of, at, at which the ball is thrown, where the ball is being thrown from. Phillip's pretty much exclusively in the pocket. Now, a lot of Tyra Taylor's throws are going to be coming from outside the pocket. You know, anticipation, that was something that Philip Rivers was outstanding at, was able to, to, to see the field and know where the pockets were going to be. And he was willing to 
put balls into tight windows and throw into open spaces and hope that his receiver can make a play. The mentality is completely different for how Tyra Taylor approaches playing quarterback. He's much more protective. He's not going to take those risky throws and, and take those risky chances, you know? So you, you go down the list. The differences are – could they couldn't be more different quarterbacks. And that's going to take time to gel. It just is. And I think you saw that today. I think it was very evident. And, and, and Tyra Taylor even admitted it. You know, we were out of sync. Um, but that's to be expected. This, these, this group has not gotten a lot of time together. And so it's, it's very encouraging that they go out and win a ball game on the backs of their defense and by not turning the ball over, knowing that they can improve that much offensively uh, to the point where, you know, they, they would, you know, potentially be winning games for them offensively later in the season if everything comes together and everything clicks the way they're expecting it to. The margin for error in a NFL season it's razor thin, and they probably don't win this game last year, to be honest with you. When, you, when you're 5-11, and 11, you know, I, it, it kind of reminded me of the, the game they actually did win against the Bears where, you know, yeah. they, they missed a field goal at the end. But, but I'm really talking in terms of just the little things that they didn't do last year to win games like this. We talk about turnovers. Um, I, I use Joe Reed as an example, a 46-yard kick return. These are the little things that just really didn't happen last year that hopefully can happen for the Chargers this year. Uh, When you look at a division led by the Kansas City Chiefs with um, a lot of great offenses, frankly, when you talk about Vegas and Denver, they have the potential to score a lot of points. But uh, when you have a defense like this that that can keep the scores down and you can play sound, fundamentally sound football, uh, you have a chance to put yourself in a situation to win all these games. Right. But I mean, you went, they went two and nine in one score games last year. They, yeah, there you for go. That to, for that to happen a second season, mathematically, is like it's like almost impossible to wrap your mind around. Like it's almost definitely not going to happen again. They're going to win a higher percentage of those games. Um, you know the way, but it, in, in, the way Anthony Lynn approaches it, the best way to put yourself in a position to win those games is not turning the ball over. And and like you alluded to, you know, you, you got the feeling that last year, you know, maybe instead of that at 13-6, that being a touchdown drive, Phillip throws an interception, you know, and, and instead of tying the game, it's it's one of those backbreaking interceptions that he threw a bunch of last year, you know, Tyrod's not going to do that, he's going to protect the ball at all costs, and so I think Anthony, Anthony Lynn's approach is, okay, yeah, this is, we're probably going to regress back to the mean, but let's try and put ourselves in the best chance to make sure that regression happens, and that means limiting turnovers and giving yourselves a shot in these one-score games, and that's what happens today. Next week, Kansas City Chiefs come to town, home opener at SoFi Stadium. Two goal-to-go situations for this Chargers team today came up with field goals. Three is not going to cut it against the Kansas City Chiefs. How do they shore these things up in a relatively quick time? Got to feel comfortable, but you know you're facing the defending Super Bowl champs next Sunday. Yeah, I, I, I think it goes back to what I was what I was talking about earlier, you know, you get your first live reps under your belt in this new offense with a new quarterback, and you can only really build from there. And then you also have the luxury of knowing that, generally speaking, Gus Bradley has done an outstanding job of scheming against Patrick Mahomes, and I would argue that the Chargers have played the Chiefs defensively better than anyone in the league. Um, they've just done an outstanding job. They did a great job defending him in Mexico City last year, and they probably should have won that game if Philip didn't throw five interceptions or four interceptions, how many threw. They probably win that game because they really limited him uh, in terms of his yards per, per attempt. Um, so I think they can sort of lean back on knowing that, okay, like we, we kind of – we haven't figured them out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, but we have a good understanding of how to contain Patrick Mahomes and prevent him from, you know, having those type of, you know, Hall of Fame games that he does so often. Um, so I think a combination of those two things will probably make the Chargers pretty confident here. Um, but like you said, I mean, it's, you know, 
it comes down to red zone offense and third down offense. That's what it comes down to. You can move the ball as much as you want between the twenties. Um, you know, but you got to convert on third downs to extend drives and you have to convert when you're in the red zone. Um, guarantee you those would be two things that the, that the Charles will be harping on heading into a, a game against a high powered offense in the chiefs. The chiefs winning streak dates back to last year. And the first game that they won during that streak was in Mexico city against the chargers. So uh, the Bulls have revenge on their minds next week in their home opener, SoFi Stadium. Daniel Popper of The Athletic, we'll be having you on uh, a lot this season, my man. Uh, appreciate you joining us on the first one. Of course. Anytime, guys. And, guys, that's going to do it for us. For Daniel Popper, Haley Elwood, I'm Chris Harey. This is The Final Drive, presented by Microsoft Surface. <laughs>